Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Okay, so let's go to the running backs, all right? Uh, Aaron Jones, man, they saved about 10 or $11 million on their cap with this recent adjustment, he, you know, the, the downward uh, pay cut he took. So that's a huge get. Um, Aaron Jones, I don't really think he deserved a cut. I mean, the guy had another 1,000-yard season, averaged 5.3, caught 59 balls, scored five touchdown receiving. I think he's a heck of a player. He's 28, Tyler. It's This is massive to get him back. He's their most explosive overall playmaker. They wanted to use his speed getting to the edge in the horizontal game, and it, and it worked very effectively. He broke tackles after catching those short passes. Uh, the guy's got great hands. He's a really good receiver out of the backfield. He's one of the best in the game, most complete backs. Now, his pass pro is not great, and he fumbled five times this year which is worse than not great. All that's concerning, but they just had to have him, and um, he's a terrific player. All right, A.J. Dillon, um, boy, you know, you think of the last game. He had a a sack and a drop in that game against Detroit. He was a second-round pick, you know, and I consider it kind of a luxury pick at the time, a power back. After seeing Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams is better than uh, A.J. Dillon. But Dillon is not bad. He's not a bad player. He's a good inside runner. I don't think he's a crushing power back, punishing for his size. Uh, They didn't think that about him at Boston College. I'll never forget what those scouts said. Um, But he can grind. He could be more hard-nosed. Now, in the passing game, Boy, drops were an issue for him. He dropped five this year out of 39, the worst drop rate on the team. Um, pass pro, really average. So he's got a way to go before he could you know, ever be a starter, but they don't have to face that now. They got Jones and, uh, and Dylan, and it's still, by NFL standards, it's still a very good one-two punch. Uh, Patrick Taylor, haven't seen him enough to really say. So I guess that's, that's it on the RBs, T. Yeah, I think that this season really started to spiral downhill 
those losses to the Giants, the Jets, the Commanders, and it was pretty clear to everybody listening. I mean, we've we've got rabid fans on this podcast, obviously, that it was because Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon weren't getting the ball those three games. I mean, it, Aaron Rodgers dropped back to pass 121 times in those three games. Jones and Dillon had 50 carries. Uh you know, as a player told me for the the Jordan Love story that's online, it's not like Aaron Rodgers is getting up to the line of scrimmage and saying, "F this, F Lafleur, I'm doing what I want to do." It's he's he is looking to take advantage of a weak, weakness, but at the same time, how many times did did you listeners watch a Packers game and say, "Run the damn ball"? You've got maybe the best one-two punch in the NFL, and that was the critical stretch where the season got out of hand. Three games that they should have won, that they didn't win, that they absolutely would have won with just more of a commitment to the the one really, really good thing you could have going offensively. Because, you know, it's going to take a while for those receivers to get up to speed for all the reasons we just laid out. You, you didn't have that offseason work. You're getting it now. It takes a while. But you know what you have in Jones and Dylan. Obviously, I like Dylan a little more than the new Bob, but uh, – He's he's still a a big back who can do some things. And Jones, you're absolutely right. Just unbelievably dynamic and shocked that he took less money. But Packers aren't complaining about that. Mm-mm. If their plan is to go ahead with love and that materializes, then you could see more play action. Just build it around, help the young quarterback, right? T, run the ball, throw play action. It's just obvious. Bootlegs, the guy's got mobility to do that. I hear what you're saying. Yep. It, aren't the comparisons eerie to Favre to Rodgers? I mean, that first season with Rodgers, 08, the boots, the the workout play action, the bombs, the running Mike McCarthy's offense. Even, even when he came in the year before against Dallas, it was like almost like he was created in a lab. This is exactly what McCarthy wants out of his quarterback, and that's what you saw out of love against Philly. I don't know. It just keeps coming back to this makes all the sense in the world. And we'll we'll see yeah. what happens. But this is a a total look at the Green Bay Packers this episode. So I don't want to slow you down with more quarterback talk. All right, let's go to the D line. Go to defense. Joe Barry was the coordinator. Um, I think they were seventeenth in yards, maybe the same in points. I don't remember. Um, he was a Tampa two guy with Rod Marinelli. I don't know. The people, nobody's really seen anything special out of Joe Barry in his career. Solid coach. So, you know, that four-game win streaks when they started finally creating turnovers. And they stopped blitzing, you know. They were blitzing a lot early and getting burned. And then he stopped blitzing, more vision of the quarterback, and balls start dropping in their arms. And they dial it down, played coverage, and it worked. So we'll see what Barry, Barry's coming back, correct? Yep, he's back. So, uh, all right, the D-line, uh, Kenny Clark. I love Kenny Clark. He has been the fulcrum of the whole defense for six years, Tyler. Yeah, 2016 through 2021. He's a tremendous player. You did the story on him. You went over there. Um, that was my last year, actually, in the locker room. I mean, I love the guy. He's a terrific person, no doubt. I don't know. He played 78% of the snaps this year kind of like he wore down a little bit, although he wasn't that, that he wasn't back to old form. I don't think he ever played really back to form. He wore down some against the run. He wasn't as good against double teams. 
Hmm. Um, he's played a ton of snaps. I don't know. Um, he looked good in the last game against Detroit, did some work against that backup right guard, Evan Brown. I remember that. But uh, his pass rush was not that good either. Uh, he wasn't holding the point. I don't know. He's probably only 28, but he's got to get rejuvenated. They've got to get him going. So after they lost Dean Lowry, then they moved DJ Slayton into the uh, the nose tackle and Kenny TJ, I mean, and then uh, Kenny Clark kind of played three tech, I guess you'd say, and Slayton was the one tech. Slayton's that second year guy from Florida, you know, he, athletic testing numbers. You don't really see that that much on the on the field. I thought he was stouter than Kenny at the nose. Um, he wasn't bad against the run. He's not a three down player, but he was fairly active. He was kind of hard to move. Uh, he can hunker down. Uh, he played hard. I thought, you know, there's hope for uh, TJ Slayton. Dean Lowry, I don't know. The scout didn't see any slippage in him. And he's been around eight years now, I think. Um, he didn't see any change. He's 29 or something. So he's, uh, he's unrestricted. I don't know what's going to happen with him. He'll have a market, though. He's a five-tech, and he's a pretty good one. All right, Jerron Reed, he's unrestricted. He signed a one-year deal. Came from the Chiefs, right? Yeah. I kind of like the guy. Um, I thought he showed pass rush. I thought he was pretty decent against the run. He could be stouter, but he wasn't bad. I don't know. But whether they can afford him, whether he'll get any money, I have no idea. But he's not a bad player. Now, the guy that would replace him is Devontae Wyatt, the first-round pick from Georgia. Um, all right, so Wyatt, just a little bit I saw in the exhibition game, he could not hold a point. He was getting buckled and knocked around. That was obvious in one hour's viewing. Um, after Lowry left with the injury, he played more. He did some decent things. Um, he still gets stuck on blocks some. But he has upside as a pass rusher. There's no doubt about it. Um, he had some questions about his intangibles and off-field stuff. Uh, Packers took a chance on the guy. So far, he's a bit of a disappointment as a rookie, but you see some ability there, like everybody before the draft saw. He fell for the, uh, the intangible factors. So he's got to come through. So that's it. Jonathan Ford, we never really saw him, the rookie seventh-round pick. That's what they got on the D-line, T. And you know Kenny Clark. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Kenny Clark, it's hot. a ton of expectations, aspirations, goals for himself into this season as well. You mentioned the the feature back in, gosh, this would have been – a year and a half ago that January ahead of the 49ers playoff game when he really opened up on his father being in prison for a, a murder that he claims he did not commit really deep stuff. Um, I, I can't imagine how that affected Kenny Clark at a young age and he just opened up like never before. So he's, he's a dad, like you just said, an, inc an incredible guy, um, really good, really good person, a good leader you'd want in your locker room. He's been through a lot on and off the field. He'd probably be the first to tell you that this season he didn't play as well as he wished he did. And yeah, ahead of the season, when we talked again for a story, he says he wants to be the very, very best 
nose tackle in football and an all-time nose tackle at that. And you can't blame him for everything. Uh, but he's the kind of guy that would put it on his shoulders when you give up, what, 363 to the Eagles on the ground. Um, but uh, if anybody can bounce back and get back to form, I, I'd put my money on Kenny Clark. I, I He'd be yeah. the least of my worries if I was the Green Bay Packers. I think he'll be just fine. And it is telling that the fact that they did kind of get it together after that game. I think that Eagles game, it was, oh, my God, how, how do you even show up as a defense after getting gashed like that by everyone at will? And then they won some games. The defense played better. So, um, actually, I was talking to uh, a linebacker on the team recently. I'll get a story up at some point. On, he he kind of broke down a little bit how they were able to pick up the pieces. So, I think that's encouraging, right? If you're looking for – I don't really think you carry anything into the next season, but the fact that this uh, this wound that was open and hemorrhaging and it didn't really seem like it would stop and it didn't really seem like the defensive coordinator would survive the season, let alone be your coach the next year. They played well enough for him to keep his job and for the defense to have a little hope into 2023. Mm-hmm. Now that's not exactly the conversation that we thought we'd be having here on in late February when shit, I picked this team to get to the Super Bowl. And a big reason was the defense, the running game, winning old school, and they, they weren't able to do it because the defense fell far short of expectations. Mm-hmm. So all right, let's talk about outside backers. Um, you know, this team really they got a break on injuries this year. At the end of the year, they only had six guys on IR. Um, three starters, but that was a, they had almost everybody there for the final, well, near playoff game. Um, the one guy they didn't have was Rashad Gary, and that was a crushing loss after nine games. That was an ACL, right, T? Yeah. Uh, Gary's become a heck of a player. I mean, he's their best pass rusher. Uh, he's really developed as a rusher. Uh, I think he's maybe didn't jump inside as much in freelance and enable him to play to run better this year. I think he was slightly improved in that regard. He's around the quarterback a lot. Um, he's a good player. Uh, they've got to have him. Now, when he returns, I don't know. Will it be at the start of the season or midseason? That's a question, but they've got to have the guy. Preston Smith, um, you know, as one scout said, uh, he gets his share of production, but he's not a guy you necessarily worry about. He's got a, you know, he's got a cap salary of 13 million this year. Uh, that's okay. I mean, he's, he's earned, he's played a lot of years. He's been healthy. He's a solid player. They got to have him. He doesn't have an explosive get off, but he's got, you know, pretty good arm length certainly. And he can separate from tackles and uh, he has a way of getting after her maybe the bottom 25% of the league who play against him and he gets production. He gets home. Um, He is what he is at the point. I mean, I think he takes chances and I don't think he's that stout. I think he should be better at the point, but all right. Then um, the rookie fifth round pick from, what was it? South Carolina, Angabari. You know, he wasn't bad. He had a bad 40, four, eight, nine, I think it was, but he played a lot this year. Must've played 50%. And he wasn't that bad. I mean, he was better than, you know, the the other guys they had, Jonathan Garvin and 
Gouvier or whatever the guy's name, Gavea, and there was a Hamilton who played. They couldn't find another edge guy. Uh, Angabari's got a chance. Uh, he's still a little raw, still gets kind of Velcroed to blocks. Seems to play hard, though. I like that. He chased. He's not real fast, but he's a pretty good power rusher. He's not bad. He's not a bad third. And then Holland's the ex-Ram who's got great ability. I remember him before the draft. He really never did much this year uh, that stood out. So that's where they are at outside backer. Uh, Hollins is uh, unrestricted. All right, let's go inside. Quay Walker, the first-round pick from Georgia. Um, okay, in the beginning of the year, his reactions were really off. I mean, he was, he was a step or two late. There was false steps. Uh, it's a tough league. And they're trying to influence these guys with everything in the zone read and the bootleg game. And he was struggling. Now, he could outrun some of his mistakes, but not all of them. I'd say about week 10, 11, 12 down in there, he started seeing it. And I saw a noticeable change in his game. And he wasn't two steps late. Maybe he was half a step to one late. But he's so fast he could get there. Um, he's a big hitter. He's throw people. You know, he knock, he's got knockback ability. He'll just throw people, grab them, throw them backwards. He's a big guy, and people, uh, you know, he's a bit of an intimidator with his size and raw, raw athletic ability. Um, in coverage, that was a bit of a problem. You know, they struggled a lot with crossers, I think, coming across the field, and I think quite a bit of it was on him. Just didn't recognize things. You know, it's a tough game you're playing as a rookie. I thought he blitzed well. Uh, he had some forced fumbles. I don't have that sheet, but he had a couple. He got ejected twice, which was inexcusable. Um, okay, so Quay Walker, he's got a chance to be really good. I don't know if he's a pro bowler T, but he's gonna he's got a chance to be up in that forefront. You know, he could be a top 20% inside backer. I'm not saying he's Warner of the Niners or uh, Shaq Leonard or uh, – the guy who was with Seattle all those years, now with the Rams, but Bobby he's got Wagner. a chance. Yeah. Okay, Devondre Campbell. Uh, he missed some games with an injury. He missed four games. Uh, injury or not, he wasn't the player he was in 2021. And the player he was in 2021 was not the way he was with Arizona and Atlanta. So I don't know, was that just a contract year and he had a great year last in 2021? I'm not saying he didn't. He did. I can't remember what I gave him, B-plus or something, but he had a heck of a year. But was that an aberration? I don't know. He's getting up there now. He's not good taking people on. He's not good in the rough stuff in the run game. Fortunately, now he's got Walker next to him, who is. Um, I didn't think he showed up quite as much in the in the coverage area either. Um so he's making his cap number is uh eight point two. So I don't know. They now they got a guy behind him, McDuffie, Isaiah McDuffie, sixth round pick in twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Looked pretty good in the exhibition that I saw. And I kind of liked him too against in the Buffalo game when he got in there. He's a really good special teams player. He might have a chance to play linebacker T. It's possible. And I think he was better than Chris Barnes and then Eric Wilson was just a veteran ad. So that's what they got at linebacker. There's some hope there, certainly, you know. Isaiah McDuffie, 
Great Q&A ahead of the season. Enjoyed uh, sitting down there at Elmo's in Buffalo for chicken wings. He's a Buffalo native. Um, throwback. Absolute throwback who enjoys the violence of professional football. And you're right. He, you know, he got in that Dallas game and looked pretty damn good, too. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably the team's best win of the season. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that's who I chatted with recently. He uh, is, is is eager to, to do more next season. So. That's a name. You know, you always see one of those linebackers kind of buy their time on special teams. Desmond Bishop, I felt like he was on special teams forever. He finally gets his shot. He was the best player on that defense in, in 2011 and, you know, had one of the, the best plays in the Super Bowl the year before. So always somebody like that. And, and great breakdown on Quay Walker. I'm I'm glad that, uh, that you, you kind of put it the way you did because two bonehead moments for him as a rookie, obviously. But he really did come on the last couple months of the season. And it's it's the type of presence you very rarely see in a Packers defense. I, I kind of want my linebacker, you know, maybe not just shoving people at random on the sideline, but I don't necessarily have a problem with a guy getting up to that line and crossing it once in a while. They, they've lacked those kind of players all these years that they've fallen short in the playoffs. Uh, a lot of... I don't know. And Ted Thompson just didn't really want to risk character characters and personalities. And he would kind of avoid that completely on draft day. Very rarely did you see them just draft somebody that has, you know, a little bit to them. Uh, not like other teams. I mean, San Francisco, those defenses to the extreme. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they had some dudes, Seattle, obviously. So I think Quay Walker, at least, Gives you a little hope on defense as well. And Devontae Wyatt, those big guys up front, it does take them a while, doesn't it? Even the best of the very best don't really do much as rookies. So I think this draft is shaping up about as about as good as they could have hoped at the top. Watson, Wyatt, Walker. Um, we'll see where the careers go. Through. Yeah. All right, let's go to the DBs. Um, one thing this scout said, you know, he said, their perimeter tackling as a team was very poor this year. And when you really think about it, of the five guys who played a lot, man, the only good run player is Adrian Amos. And he has other liabilities we'll get into, but they have to tackle better. Um, Jerry Gray, the DB coach, is gone. Have they named a replacement? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah. All right, let's start with... um, Eric Stokes. I liked him a lot his first year, uh, first round pick from Georgia. He played how many games, T? Let's look. I can't even remember his injury, but he played nine games. Okay. Over primarily on the left corner. I went back and looked at this guy again. Um, He didn't play very well, T. When I really looked at it, he was kind of disappointing. Um, I don't know. He looked like he looked tighter. He, maybe he got heavier. I, I don't know. Maybe he got stronger in the weight room. I don't really know. But he wasn't moving as well. He, you know, he's big and long, but he just he wasn't moving. Um, he got beat on the ball some. He really didn't want much part of tackling, and he wasn't a good tackler as a result. Uh, he just didn't seem to be competing and playing as hard. Well. I don't know when he comes back again is, you know, tough injury, but let's say he's back. He's got to play for him now. 
Um, they got to have this guy. All right, Jair Alexander. I mean, he's clearly a number one corner. Um, I don't know, top five, top ten in the league. He is terrific at the ball. He gets breakups like like really the top talents have in the last 20 years. You know, I mean, he can get fantastic. He can mirror people in man and get breakups, and he can play off, play off and then uh, attack the ball and break the thing up. I mean, you could think about 10 to 15 plays like that, and that's where the, the true skill in this uh, business comes at that position. He's confident. He backs it up. Um, his tackling, there are worse than him at that position, Tyler, <laughs> but he likes to cover first. I just, you know, I love corners who will do both, and he'll maybe tackle when he has to. He will come up and attack on a uh, – Oh, a jet sweep or a bubble screen. He'll come in on something like that. But if a running back, a 215-pound guy is ahead of steam and he's being blocked by a wideout, he really doesn't want to come off that block that much. And he stayed blocked too long down there and backs would go by him and maybe he'd fall into something. I just think he's got to be a tougher player. He's small, and that's the drawback when they drafted him. He's a very good player, but he's not a complete guy right now. All right, the third corner was uh, Rasul Douglas. You know, he made plays. He had four picks this year, and I don't know how many he had the year before, five and a half a year. Um, he's got size, but again, he does, he's a poor tackler. Uh, again, it, it's just, it's different. He will He will hit in certain areas of the game. But when it's going to be the real rough stuff, I mean, you're not exactly getting Craig Newsom out there. You know, T, this guy, he's big, but he doesn't really, I'm not saying he turns it down, but he he doesn't really want, want to get in there. And it, for his size, he should, but he doesn't. He's a gambler. He's like a poor, poor, poor man's Deion Sanders, you know. Uh, he sloughed off like in that trap coverage in Miami down there and got that big pick. I don't know, was it a touchdown or turn the game around? I can't remember. No touchdown, but it was a big play in the end of the half, I think. He will win with gambles sometimes, but he, then he's also going to get burned, and he doesn't have the catch-up speed, and that's why the Eagles got rid of him. You know, he's 4'6", 4'5", That was five years ago. He will bite on stuff, and people are going to constantly try to run combination routes on him, get him out of position. He's a tricky guy, though. QB's got to be worried about this guy, and there is value in that. I like a more complete player, wouldn't we all? Um, I don't think he can play the slot. So if he, if when Stokes comes back, I don't know who plays the slot. Alexander, maybe? I don't really know. Okay, the fourth corner was uh, Kaysan Nixon. We'll get into him on special teams. Nixon was okay. He was an aggressive player. I think he's more of a zone guy than a man cover guy. He's got some tightness trying to mirror receivers. You can see that. He's probably a good backup. Uh, he's got good speed. You can see that as a returner. Uh, he grabs a lot in coverage. Uh, he's okay. Let's see, do they got another corner? Corey Ballantyne. We never saw him. And that's it, T. That's oh, Jamar John Charles, a fifth round pick in 2021. He played more the first year than the second year. He was inactive a lot. I don't – he's a small guy. He's kind of a slot. He apparently hasn't developed. I don't know. That's it, a corner. Any thoughts? 
I just always love one of those uh, gambling DBs in my defense. I know, like they're going to give up plays, and but everybody gives up plays. This game's all about turnovers. He's going to create some turnovers. There's always a home for you in a modern NFL defense with all these offenses, all these quarterbacks up and down the field, up and down the field. It's just about maximizing, or I'm, I'm sorry, get, get, getting more possessions for your offense. And that's what he's going to do at, at the moment you need him to. And unless he gets one of those penalties he had where he just kind of walked waltz down the line of scrimmage and then gave a dude a little chin music, but Hey, and Jair Alexander, I, you know what I like? I like how he's been speaking up more too. It just seems like he's not afraid to say what's on his mind. That's refreshing. All right, let's go to safety. Um, Adrian Amos. He will be 30 in a couple months, entering his ninth year. We talked about him after the season. When any of the tough stuff had to happen, he's the guy. He's the one throwing his head in there, throwing his face in there, putting his face on people. I respect the heck out of that. He's the one of those five or six guys who was willing to hit. He really is. He did everything. And all his teammates back there should, should, you know, thank him for doing that because he's the one who took the blows, took the body shots. He's probably the most aware of anybody on that back end, too. I mean, there's something to be said for that. He's a student of the game. You can see it. He's a little like uh, like an aging Morgan Burnett. I think he maximizes what he has. But, boy, in coverage, uh, Joe Barry has to hide him. You know, every year we've been calling him tight and stiff, and it's not going to get any better. Um, as much as I respect him, um, and he's consistent on assignments, I think. But the coverage thing is, so I don't know if they're going to bring him back. What he had, what what he could command, I don't know. All right, uh, Darnell Savage. He got benched at safety after about. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about nine, 10, 11 games, something like that. He had a disappointing year, T. He just, uh, they traded up for this player from Maryland. He just, he tackled really bad this year. He didn't make any plays on the ball, really. He had won the long 75-yard run. He's an athletic guy, and he can run, but he just does not produce. He's not a good rap tackler. He just misses. Um, he didn't make any plays until last year, really. And so then uh, he got benched. And then later he came back as a as a nickel and a dime back covering down. And he was okay. Uh, but do you bring this guy back for, what's his cap number? $7.9 million to be a dime back or a nickel? I don't think so. They got to have a safety. Um, Savage is just a, a bad move by Gutekunst. I mean, he trades up for the guy, and it just didn't work. Um, it was a bad year at safety that year. He was the first one taken, and it's the way it goes sometimes. All right, they put Rudy Ford in there. Rudy's been around. I think he ran four three nine coming out of Auburn, and he started five or six games until they kind of went back to Savage at the end of the year. He can run. He had three picks for 87 yards returning. I mean, the guy, times he will avoid. Um, he struggles. Uh, 
He's a role player. The best thing probably special teams. You know, he got beat in that lion game at the end. He didn't flip his hips quick enough. That's all scouting report. The Lions saw that and they they threw the bomb over there. So that's Ford. Uh, they need a safety. They might need two safeties. Now, Tariq Carpenter, really a good athlete and a big hitter from what was it, Georgia Tech, seventh round. He's got a chance. He never played from scrimmage. Ennis Gaines has been banging around. Uh, Lavette, those guys didn't play from scrimmage. Vernon Scott was on uh, IR. You know, he's not the long-term answer. So that's what they got in the, at safety. Well said. And then let's go to Savage. Yeah, yeah. that's one that every once in a while makes a play and gives you a, you know, a little hope. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's turning a corner. Maybe there's, there's something here, but offenses did seem to target him, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he, he just can't tackle. He, he's a willing hitter, but he just, he doesn't get people on the ground. I don't know. He's not alone. I, I wonder how much just poor tackling in general is the fact that forget NFL teams not hitting much in training camp, let alone at all in the off season. I bet it's like that in college they're hitting less. In high school they're probably hitting less. I mean, how how many just really good tacklers are there in in NFL secondaries, you think? I mean, compared to even I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Is it a different? Is it a different football to you, from what you remember then? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Guys just weren't making as much money when I started, Tyler. You know, they were more willing to <laughs> they were more willing to sell out. Now they're making business decisions. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, I mean, you we, broke down that uh, that San Francisco third down run at Lambeau Field. This is over a year ago, but it was almost like Kyle Shanahan wanted to put Jair Alexander in that position with Debo Samuel in the cold, in the snow. Alexander's going to make a lot of money. A couple months later, um, you don't even blame some of these guys. Yeah, he had the bad shoulder. I mean, not to single him out. He's obviously one of the team's best players, but I think you see that around the NFL. All right, let's go to special teams. Uh, Rich Passaccia who had been in the business for like 20, 25 years. Um, his average, I think he had been a co- special teams coordinator in the NFL for, I can't remember, 16, 18 years, I can't remember. His average ranking in Rick Goslin's ratings that started in the Dallas Morning News, and now he does it himself in his uh, semi-retirement, was 14th, wherever he had been. And the Packers painted this guy as, you know, elite, when he's not elite, he was good as a head coach, but that doesn't have anything to do with coaching special teams. So they finished 22nd this year overall, which was a jump from where they were, but certainly it wasn't what they expected and they paid him a ton of money. So 22nd Crosby, he'll be 39 right before the the opener this coming year. He's a free agent. I think you bring him back, Tyler. He was 25 out of 29. You bring him back. The guy's a marvel. He knows how to handle cold weather. He can, he's a great guy. He's a team guy, not a me guy. They can get another year or two out of him. He's good. 
right? Yeah. Okay, the punter was interesting. Um, they got rid of Corey Bajorquez. And I would have, he was pretty, well, he was below par in Green Bay. And what really, I think, probably killed him in the organization's eyes, this is a guess, is that his holding was subpar and really hurt Crosby during that brutal year last year, year before. So he goes to Cleveland, Bajorquez, and he finished, you know, similar weather situation. He finished seventh in gross, 48.5, and 19th in net, 41.0. Um, okay, they signed uh, Pat O'Donnell from the Bears. And because I had done those NFC North teams all those years, I knew and I'd seen O'Donnell, I knew pretty much about him, all, you know, during his career. He doesn't have a big leg. Uh, now, he was a really good holder. Uh, I never checked with anybody on that. That's just my eyeball, but I looked pretty closely at that holding. I thought he was really good, and I think that helped Crosby bounce back. So that's a huge plus in his favor. Now, how Bajorquez held in Cleveland, I don't know. Although I did go to a game at Cleveland this year. I saw them lose to the Patriots as a fan over there. Okay. Um, O'Donnell only had one touchback, which was good, but again – he doesn't have a leg. He tied for 27th in gross, 44-5. He was 30th in net, 38-9. I didn't do the hang times anymore, but I don't think they were very good. He's just not a big leg guy. He kept it out of the end zone, but he just won't boom it. So that's where they are there. Boy, the biggest surprise on the team was Kason Nixon as a kickoff returner, huh, T? 35 returns. They finally dumped Amari Rogers. I don't know, three, four games in. 28.9, a 105-yard touchdown. Man, the guy was a threat. And on punt returns, he averaged uh, 12.7 on 11. Never had a fair catch. Um, I don't know. Did he put it on the ground? No, I don't see any fumbles on the lit on the thing here. No, he's. He's dynamite. Now he's he's unrestricted. Somebody's going to make make a play on that guy. He's the best the Packers have had, and I can't remember my ratings. I went through all that stuff last in September and October since Alan Rossum, Roll Preston. Probably got to go back twenty years. So he's really good. Uh, the return guys, I will give Basaccia credit for that. I thought they played with some esprit de corps. I thought they hustled. I thought they were tough-minded. They seemed to take a lot of pride in their business. But, you know, he's got entirely new systems and uh, might take another year, you know, to get into the top 10, the top half of the league. But he's at 22nd right now. Uh, that's it on special teams, T. You said it a year ago. You have to emphasize special teams. You can't just throw uh, third and fourth stringers at other positions and treat it like it's a, a side gig. You know, you're, you're moonlighting just for the hell of it. It's got to be a day-to-day emphasis. They've got some core special teams players now. That wasn't the case before. Dyna, dynamite returner. I agree on, on Mason Crosby too. What do you say, Bob? Um, where? So what's the timeline? And actually before that, is there anything else on, on the team, the season, what should people take away from the 2022 Packers season really be, you think? Minnesota just blew them away, you know, really, in their own backyard. With all these close games, they blew them away. 
the Lions now seem to have uh, they got something building over here. They they believe in this coach, and you can just tell. And this guy's got it going. Um, we'll see if some of their UFAs like Jamal Williams maybe takes less to play here, but they think now they finally got a team. So the challenge is there in the division. Uh, but like I said at the top, Green Bay's got a lot going for them, and I would never count them out after three decades of winning. They know how to win. They know how to do it, and uh, they'll be around. They're not going to be much below 500, if at all, and they could be quite a bit over. So they got a, they got a bright future. With or without number 12. I mean, without even knowing what's going to happen at quarterback. Any idea on the timeline, what we can expect next? Um, I'm guessing he's out of the darkness. He's talking to the team. Where where do things go now, to your knowledge? They just need to tell him what what they really feel and not beat around the bush. And he needs to have a heart-to-heart and tell them what he thinks. And... They talk first, and once they tell him, I assume they're going to be honest. Once they tell him, then it's his call. Retire, take a trade, or come in and, I don't know, compete for his job. That's what I do, but and that's what I think. I think they're moving on, T. And it would be, yeah, like you said, Aaron Rodgers could make life miserable for the Packers if he wanted to put them in that position to start Jordan Love ahead of him. Uh, But he's not going to want that. I mean, he lived the Brett Favre, you know, craziness of 2008, 9, 10. He he saw Brett Favre go out there at Lambeau Field and these these 80,000 fans that adored him and worshipped him and treated him as a deity turned on him booed him mercilessly and it took a thawing out. I'm trying to remember when I hung out with Brett Favre down there at his house, that was late 2014. And right then he still didn't really know what to expect when he returned for his, his Packers hall of fame induction the next year. So, Mm. you know, Aaron Rodgers cares what the fans think about him. There, there could be a lot of the Costanza. It's not you. It's me routine. And obviously the reports coming out. Well, we, Green Bay saying that we'd, we'd like him back if he's bought in. I mean, and, until we have substance, it's it's all kind of semantics and wordplay and trying to look like the good guy, I think, here. But um, nobody has reported stronger on this issue than you right here at GoLongTD.com. So. so the combine is next week. And the Packer coach and general manager will be at the podiums, right? And they'll have a consistent message to deliver. That'll be all established beforehand. And so that'll be kind of the next step. Uh, I don't know. The trading period doesn't officially begin until the start of the league year, which would be, what, about March, I don't know, 15, 16, usually 14 in there. That's when you can officially announce a trade. All the stuff can go on now. Agreements can be made. I don't know. Half the league seems like maybe not that many needs a quarterback. And one of these teams could see his resume and 
just go for it. And that's what the Packers would hope for and get some reserves to get a, to get a defensive back, to get a tight end. I mean, they need extra picks. That's where this would come from. And that's how you rebuild a team and overtake Minnesota and hold off Detroit and keep this, keep winning in this division. And right now they have moved on from the Aaron Rodgers business. Right now, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We are going to keep you abreast of the situation as it unfolds. I'll be there in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine, so we'll be there for the uh, the centralized messaging. It'll be interesting to see what they say. I, I highly doubt they'll just stand at a podium and you know declare their disgusted state for all to hear and, and, and hinder their trade value in doing so, right? I think that's the worst thing we don't want the guy back that's about the the dumbest thing you could do if you're running a team uh they they love jordan love and they want compensation for rogers you know that's the bottom line and and they're going to do everything they can with their messaging to get that done Hmm. well we can't thank you enough bob for delivering your uh (laughs) fresh perspective and insight but beyond that as you as you said at the top um, number one, it's it's direct conversations with people in the know with the intimate knowledge of the Green Bay Packers. So it starts there. And thank you to everybody who uh, has read my Jordan Love story as well. Greatly appreciate that. Uh, we will keep things humming here at Go Along and catch you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>